Well, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors on staff. I want to thank you guys for coming here. How many of you guys call New Life your home church and you're excited about it? Let me hear that right now. I see that hand. All right, awesome. Uh, I was great, man. And if you're a guest here with us and this is not your home church and maybe Kearney is or, you know, surrounding towns is your home. I just want to say thanks for coming and checking us out today. I think that, you know, we're really blessed here in Kearney. We've got a number of incredible churches uh, that have some amazing pastors. And I like to refer to all of those uh, gentlemen as my friends. And we just met together this past Thursday, uh, shared some life with one another and prayed together. It's very encouraging the type of network we have here. So if you're you're checking out churches, um, I'm going to hesitate to say you found the best one, but this is, this is our church. And so if we didn't feel like our church was an incredible church, then we wouldn't be here, right? But um, I hope that God speaks to your life today and he does something amazing in your life today. And uh, if this is a church that uh, he wants you to be a part of, we just want to say this. We're a family with open arms and we welcome people to come in just the way you are. And we promise to love you just the way you are, but love you so much that you're gonna be a better version of yourself, the version that God created of yourself somewhere down the road as we keep changing you know, and being renewed into the image and the likeness of Christ every single day, including me, amen? So that's just who we are. So thanks for being here today. Hey, with all of that incredible, like, you know, encouraging, lift you up, build you up, today we're gonna to talk about pain. All right, so I knew I had to do a little extra to get there, right? Uh, Talking about pain. Let's just take a quick survey really fast. Like how many of you guys, um, you know, love pain? Okay, how many of you, um, so far, everybody's against the one, just my hand and the one other hand that went up. But how many of you guys would do anything possible in your life to avoid pain? Anything possible? Okay, okay. Oh, one more time. Anything possible to avoid pain? Let me see your hand. Okay, come on. This is not a trick question, by the way. My hand is definitely up on this one. How many of you guys chose not to raise your hand on anything? Okay, all right. That's what I... But you just did raise your hand, by the way. I got you. I got you. See, I'm that way too, all right? I, I'm that way. When people ask those kind of questions, I'm like, I don't really need to vote. I'm voting on the inside. Right? Do I really have to vote on the outside? Is this like even, this is ridiculous, Jeff. This is a dumb question, of course. People don't like pain. That's true. In fact, God built you that way that your body doesn't like pain. I'm thankful for God for that. You know what I'm saying? Because then when I go to build things and I got a hammer out, I'm not just like walking away and the next day wondering why I have all these bruises all over my hand. Right? Or if you're in the kitchen and you're just slicing up the vegetables... And you're just making that thing work and you're making the salad? Aren't you thankful? Yeah, you want to see that again? (laughs) Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that God put pain receptors in your fingers so that when you're like doing this thing and then whack, you get that finger like, ow, man. And you get it all bandaged up and you don't just find a piece of it in the salad later because that's disgusting. So I'm thankful that God put pain receptors in my body and these signals go to my brain and it goes back and then all of a sudden my mouth goes, I can't do it because of my vocal surgery, but ah, right? Right, like, yeah, God made us, he made us this way. We don't like pain. And we'll even bring that into religion. I want to be very careful the words I use right now. I'm using the word religion for a reason because This concept is communicated in multiple different religions, not just Christianity. 
we have a real like problem. We, we've got an issue. And the issue is that even as communicators, we like to err on the side of communicating a pain-free God. As congregants, myself, when I sit in services, I, it's almost like I love to hear about this God who takes away my pain, who takes away my suffering. We have this side of us that if we're going to err on one side or the other, we will always err on the side of a therapeutic God, a therapeutic God where there is no pain, where God makes me feel good. And I want to tell you guys, that's part of the desire of God's heart to do that. But when and where does that really happen for all of eternity? Heaven is the place where there is no pain and there is no suffering. And it is that kind of like feel good if I can cheapen it down to that version. That moment with God for eternity, that's coming, but it's not now. There is a day that's coming though. Right? There's a moment that's going to happen when all this pain and suffering goes away. And so because we like to err on this side, then when troubles and trials and suffering come, here's what we do naturally. Boom, that's evil. That could not be of God. Because I'm going through this difficult season. It can't be of God. God would never do that. Even the disciples, when they walked with Jesus, they looked at suffering and they, they looked at people that were crippled and they looked at people that were going through trials. They, they thought to themselves like, Jesus, is that because of people's sin? Is that why they're going through that? Because they're looking at Jesus, they're like, man, you heal people, like you're a good God. Why are people going through these things? Is it sin? And I wanna be very clear with you and let you know, my sin has caused a lot of my troubles. And so has yours. God had nothing to do with it. My sin has caused a lot of my suffering. My sin has caused a lot of my trials. And if there's anybody else that was willing to be as brutally honest as I am with you right now, you would have to say, yep, that's me as well, Jeff. But guys, there is a different type of suffering, struggle, and trial that God allows to happen in our lives. It's not produced by your actions. It's not produced by what you have done or you haven't done. It's just that there is trials and suffering and difficult moments that we're going to walk through that God brings along in our lives. He allows to happen in our lives for one big reason, and that's this, to produce in us the character, the nature of Christ, to, to do inside of us the work that only he can do. Look, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves again, this is what we would have to boil down to become the truth, and that's this. We, we're not a people that really like to change. We have to almost kind of be forced to change. Suffering, trials, and, and struggles, they, they kind of move us off our dime. They move us off center, and they start to cause change to happen in our lives. In fact, a lot of the change that's happened in your life has come because you went through suffering, struggles, and trials. I just had a conversation with one of my friends in the hallway earlier this morning. It just pops into my mind. And I looked at him, and I was like, man, and I'm not going to mention names, but he'll know, right? Man, you're looking amazing. He's, he was. I mean, he's, he's dropped a number of pounds. It's incredible. And I was like, wow. And guys, look, to lose weight, how many of you would say, like, I mean, to lose significant amount of weight, like, that takes a lot of determination and a lot of discipline. Come on. Are you with me? So, man, I, I applaud that when that happens. But then he went on and he told me what the beginning of it really was. 
The beginning of it was a trial, a struggle, a moment of reality and trouble. And it's interesting how that's what started the journey. Now, God, man, we all want to We all want to be the end result, but a lot of times to get to the best, we have to start with the difficult and the suffering and the troubles. So here's here's the real problem. We have a very hard time understanding why God would allow suffering and trials to even come. We have a hard time with it. You think think about people that live in the Bahamas. That right now on some of those islands, they've, they've got nothing left. They have no home left. They can't return to it. Everything's gone. Infrastructure's gone. Churches are gone. Hospitals are gone. Schools are gone. Houses are gone. Have you seen any of the video of it? Devastating. Can you imagine somebody, imagine a pastor who's pastoring in, on one of these islands, and he has no home. He has no store to shop in. He has no church to preach in today. I mean, how easy would it be to turn to God and go, God, Why? Like, why would you do this? This doesn't make any sense to me. Going through a time of trouble and and trial. One of our very own pastors, Pastor Dean, and his wife and his children, they were in a car accident last night on the interstate in Iowa. Totals the car. Jen spent the night in the hospital for pain management issues. But for the most part, the whole family protected by the Lord, but yet are going through a time of struggle and trouble and trial right now as we sit here. Could I just ask you to be praying for them? Could you be praying for for those who have been affected dramatically by the hurricane? Would you also be praying for our very own Pastor Dean and Jen and their family? When I talked to Dean on the phone last night, he gave me the report of everything and then he tells me, oh, our dog was with us too. Dog's okay as well. And I'm like, wow, because, I mean, that's what I was hoping for, right? But, I mean, we, we laughed about it, and we kind of said, wow, man, if we can even say the dog is good, how good is God? I mean, come on, guys, come on. So it's, it's hard for us to see a good God allowing us to go through seasons and moments of suffering. And you know the big problem with the reason why is because I think we wrestle with secretly this idea on the inside of us that we think somehow we actually control God. It's all part of the problem of why we don't understand suffering because we think that we control God. Now you would never say that to me verbally out in the lobby, but we live it all the time. Here's how we live it. We think that if we do something that pleases God, therefore he must bless me. That's control. If I do something that pleases God, he, he must bless me. If I do something that pleases God and I suffer, what in the world? Where is this loving God at? We don't control God by our works. We don't control God by what we do. We do please God. You're going to hear more about that this morning. But the truth is this. Because God's perfect and all-knowing and full of love, he knows what's best for you and he knows what's best for me, including, come on, say it with me, suffering. Including suffering. Listen to this verse, key verse for today. Dear brothers and sisters, when, when troubles come your way. Would you say that with me? When troubles come your way. It's not if. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, and needing nothing. In light of the fact we don't like pain. In light of the fact that we truly don't understand suffering, what do you do with a verse like this? 
How does a verse like this affect your life? How does a verse like this change your idea of the motive of God when it comes to suffering? So in, in some capacity, in some form, in some shape, we have been misquoting the true concept in the heart of God when it comes to suffering, guys. That's our problem today. We misquote, we don't understand, and therefore we don't live out correctly the life God wants us to live when we walk through suffering and we don't really have the true ability to minister to and help others when they walk through suffering because we have misquoted the heart of God when it comes to suffering. So to help us understand what the solution to all of this is, and because this is about as much as I can give you with my voice today, I'm still recovering from my own surgery of troubles and suffering and trials. Come on, voice. <laughs> Pastor Chris is going to come and give us that solution, that activation point. What can we do with this problem? So would you guys give it up for my buddy, Pastor Chris? Good morning. I know what you're thinking. He's not the guy that lost all the weight that Pastor Jeff was talking about. But come on, how many are with me? I'm still working on the before picture. Come on, how many are with me? It's going to be a glorious day. I'm also saying that because I know, I know some people in the room that will give me some Advocare samples later after the service. So my name is Chris, and I get to hang out with you. Uh, just to talk a little bit about this issue of trouble and trials and what James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, grew up with the Messiah. How would you like that, you know, task? And he says to us, he writes to us about our trials that we can consider it pure joy. By the way, he's talking to Christians. He says, as he starts it out, he's, he's talking to the 12 tribes of Israel, and he calls them brothers and sisters. So he's talking to believers who have committed their life to Jesus, to the way, who said, I do to Jesus like a marriage covenant. How many of you love Jesus and you say, I do? Say, I do. I do. You, you have this marriage kind of covenant relationship with Jesus. He's talking to you today. He's talking to me. If you have yet to put your faith and trust in Jesus, this is kind of like a living room moment where we have a family meeting and you get to peer into what it really means to grow in faith and follow Jesus. He's talking to Christians and saying to them, I, I want to radically change the way that you think when it comes to trials and tribulations. In fact, it would be like in today's language, I want to give you an operating system update. And I'm not talking about the operating system updates. You guys remember about five, five or 10 years ago and you would update your iPhone and it would work worse. Have you ever had that problem? All right. They've kind of gotten better at that. But this is James is saying, I want to update your operating system. It's going to work better. You're going to see things differently, more clearly. And I believe this is important for people of faith. And I believe James thought it was important for Christians because it's easy for us to paint the picture of what's going on in human terms. Because good is good and bad is bad. And when bad things happen, there's something wrong. We need to fix the bad things. And then we have this real enemy, Satan, a real enemy who wants to steal. The Bible says he wants to kill. He wants to destroy. He wants to tempt us of evil. He wants to take us down. And so he uses things like, um, like trials at times to try to leverage those moments to tempt us to sin and walk away from God. And so when we think about that, okay, there's, a, there's an enemy and then you have God. We almost think it's like these two equal powers they are at work, but it's not the case. And we're going to talk about that 
today. Because if we think that the enemy is after us and God is unaware or God is, doesn't have the ability, the power to deal with that, we can miss out that what the enemy intends for evil, the Bible says what the enemy intended for evil, God can use for our good. In fact, God's going to leverage everything that comes our way for our good. So James gives us the reason that we can change the way that we think. I love he doesn't just say, hey, stop thinking that way. Stop having a pity party. Stop praying for your circumstances to change. Just change the way you think. In fact, I want you to have pure joy. When you go through trials, just smile and say, wow, this is awesome, right? I love it. He's not just telling them how to behave. He's giving them the reason why if they would embrace this, really it's just going to internally come out as they deal with trials. So let's, let's look at verse 3 again. He says this, for you know that when your what? Your, that word's important. Your faith is tested. Your endurance has a chance to grow. And so verses 1 and 2, or verse 2, excuse me, he says, hey, when you go through trials and tribulations, consider it an opportunity for joy. And here's why. Because when that trial and tribulation happens, your faith is going to be tested. And because of that, it has the opportunity to produce endurance and for your faith to grow. Now, this seems a kind of counterintuitive, but one of the main purposes of being shaken by trials is to make your faith more unshakable. Let me say that again. One of the reasons that when you go through trials to the point of being shaken by trials is to make your faith more unshakable. And so let's talk about faith because faith is of huge importance, of supreme importance in this life. Faith is what God is looking for. He is looking for. For faith, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And how many want to please God? If you want to please God, what he's looking for is faith. And when God looks at you, he's looking at the condition of your faith. One day when we all stand before God and we are judged by God, he will be looking for the nature of our faith. Faith, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, is the, this deep confidence, assurance of things that we cannot see, but there's this inner trust that it exists and it's there. Faith is this, this intrinsic trust in the person of Jesus Christ. So you need to know this. God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, is intentionally involved in every single situation surrounding your life. Every detail, every victory, every trial, he is involved in every detail of your life, and here's why, in order to initiate faith, in order to reveal faith, in order to refine or strengthen your faith. You see, God is far more concerned about the condition of your faith than your temporary comfort. And some of you are saying inside, amen, which is a Christian word that basically we're saying, Yes, I love that, right? That's good. Some of you are saying amen, and some of you are like, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I believe that. And if that's true, I'm not sure. I, I, I want to serve a God who's more concerned about my faith or my relationship with him than he is about my temporary comfort. Now, don't misquote me, because God deeply cares about your trouble. 
He deeply cares about what you're going through. He is, the Bible says, he is close to the brokenhearted. He is not far away from you. But if we look at Christianity as a therapeutic solution for our life, just to take away all of the struggle and all of the pain and all of the discomfort, then if that's what we're looking for, then what I just said does not sound very good, that God is more concerned about my faith than my temporary comfort. Because after all, doesn't God want me to have a better life now? Doesn't God want me to just, just like a loving parent, to protect me from every woe that would come my way? I remember one time, my son Ryan, who's he's here with me today, he's 15 now. I think he was about five years old then. And we have a big picture window in our living room. And across the street is an elementary school with a playground. And I remember him on his big wheel. You guys remember big wheels? I mean, that was our mode of transportation, right, for everybody over 35 and up. I mean, when we were kids, a big wheel. So I got him a big wheel, and he was riding around on the playground. These two older kids came up, and it was obvious that they were bullying him. And I still remember in my, my mind's eye, him sitting on that big wheel. I'm watching these kids. Lynette is there. She's watching these kids, and she's like, aren't you going to go do something about this? I'm like, not yet, right? You know, I, I'm going to allow him to, to experience this. Now, some of you are looking at me like, well, you are crazy, right? But, but I was close enough. I was watching what was going on, but I wanted to see how he would respond and let him experience some pressure in his life. Because I love him. I want him. And it's not just a macho thing, but I don't want to always just swoop in and save him. Now, what I did do is eventually I walked across the street. They didn't see me coming. And I just stood there. And Ryan, I stood there behind Ryan. Ryan didn't know I was there, but the boys knew I was there. And Ryan tells them, you know, you know to get out of here, leave me alone. And then they take off and they leave him alone. Because dad's standing right behind, right? <laughs> and I think God does that sometimes, but... Uh, he, he can allow us to go through things and face things to strengthen us. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. And so I, I don't want you to misquote me and think that God doesn't care about what you're walking through. He really cares. The Bible says he is close to the brokenhearted, right? He's going to comfort you. We're going to talk about it in a moment, how when we go through trials, God brings us his comfort. So it's not that God doesn't care. And it's not that God is distant or uncooperative with you, that he's absent. He very much cares. But we take on this role of defining what a better life now is. Protect me. Guard me. Keep anything from, from attacking me and my family and my life. It means no sickness, no pain, no opposition, no struggle. And so if God allows trouble, then I don't know if I can trust God. I don't know if I like God. Then he must not care. You know, every coach in my life... And it's been a while since I've had a coach, <laughs> you know, when it comes to athletics and physical fitness. But back in the day, long time ago, every coach that I ever had didn't care about me. Because they made me do all kinds of things that were not fun and that were painful. I remember going off to college to play football, and, and I was in good shape at that time, and I lifted weights a lot, but I had never done what they had asked us to do. And we were squatting just heavy weights. And I remember that first day of, of, of doing that and walking into the cafeteria and just I could barely move. I mean, my legs were stiff. My muscles were taxed to the limit. And the coaches were just laughing at us. All of us guys walking in in pain. 
Because they didn't care about us. No, that's not why. They, they thought it was funny uh, at the time, but they did that to us because they did care. They wanted us to get better as an individual and as a team, specifically for football. They wanted us to get stronger. They wanted us to get better. And so when we think about the pain in our life, it's easy for us to, to look at it from the wrong perspective. James is trying to change the way we think. Now, we are going, as Pastor Jeff mentioned, we are going to a place with no pain, no, no fear, no opposition, no sickness. But this is not it. This is not heaven. This is earth. So here's what we need to know, that God loves us perfectly and completely. Some of you have heard that too often at church that you're numb to it. But would you just stop and think about what that means? God loves you perfectly and completely. And his plan is to walk with you through life. And as he walks with you, he's going to use whatever necessary to test and to perfect your faith. The good news is the Bible says he is the author of our faith. He is the, also the perfecter of our faith. If you have faith, he gave it to you. But what he intends to do is perfect it. It happens through testing. This same theme is repeated through the New Testament. Uh, Peter said this. In 1 Peter 1, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. So it's going to be a revealing uh, a tool for your faith. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through the many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You see, faith is like muscle tissue. If you stress it to the limit, it gets stronger, not weaker. Peter's saying that these trials are coming your way to not only test or reveal if your faith is genuine, and if it is genuine, it's going to strengthen it. So on the day that you stand before Christ, there's going to be much honor and glory in your life. And that's what James, I believe, is trying to communicate with to us is that when your faith is stretched to the breaking point, the result is a greater capacity to endure. He calls it patience. When your faith is stretched to the limit, the trying of your faith, he says, is going to produce endurance, patience. So why does God allow testing to come to our faith? That approaches the breaking point. I mean, can't he just go easy on us? The reason is because faith is more precious to God than gold. Faith is more precious to God than anything else. God loves faith. He's looking for faith. There's a passage in the Old Testament that says, The eyes of the Lord are looking throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking for faith. Because faith is the lifeblood of our relationship with him. Faith is the connection point to him. That's why he loves faith, because he loves you. And so we think God loves performance. God loves our work for him. That if, we, if I do this, then that's going to earn me credit with God, and God's going to come in and relieve my suffering or my pain. If we pray for healing, we feel like, man, if I just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, and God's going to see my true commitment by how hard and long I prayed, in essence, my performance, and that's going to move the hand of God. But God is not impressed by our performance. 
Now, don't misquote me. The truth is that authentic faith will produce performance. James later says that the litmus test of faith is that it produces works or a performance. There's something that comes out that we do. Authentic, genuine faith will go somewhere. It will manifest itself. He says, you show me, you tell me uh, that you have faith, but you don't do anything. I'll show you my faith by what I do. But we get get the, the chicken and the egg. It's like the chicken and the egg, which came first, right? We get it reversed. We think if I do something, then that's going to produce a spiritual result or faith within me. But God's way is this. We start with authentic faith that he gives us, and we allow him to develop that, and that true faith will produce works. True faith produces works. So God allows trials. And some of you need to hear this. If you're a follower of Jesus, I believe this is one of the most powerful, freeing uh, truths that I've ever had in my life, and I think you need to hear it. That if you are a child of God, nothing can come your way without permission from God. Nothing can come your way unless it first goes through God. Now, that's only troubling if you misunderstand God's, the attributes of God, God's omniscience and omnipotence, and you misunderstand the enemy's role and his power. And that's only troubling if you try to understand God and try to maybe even insert your parenting paradigm from a human perspective upon God. But if you understand that God loves you completely and perfectly, that he knows everything that's going on, that nothing surprises God. It's not like God was busy, you know, dealing with the hurricane over here and missed out and Satan came in the back door and caused problems if you're a child of God. God knows. He's not unaware. The enemy didn't sneak something past him. And the truth is that God wants to walk with you through the valley I'm going to encourage you to go back a couple weeks ago and listen to the message that, not because I spoke it, but I spoke on Psalm, the 23rd Psalm. You understand that God wants to walk with you through the valley. That God wants to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. That in the midst of struggle and trial, God wants to be with you and walk with you and do something in you. He doesn't always take you out of it. Sometimes he does. He rescues you out of a situation. But most of the time, he walks with you through it. He walks with you through the valley. So God allows trials in order, James says, to strengthen our faith. Look how... God did this in the life of Paul. He said, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. They went through a tough time. He says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Are you feeling the pressure, the weight? He said, but this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He's saying it was, it was too much. We couldn't take it. But now I have perspective and I see that the reason that God allowed me to walk through this is that I would rely upon him and not my own resources. See, God so values our wholehearted faith that he will graciously, if necessary, take away everything else in the world that we might be tempted to rely upon. Our giftings, our resources, sometimes relationships, finances, even life itself. 
Because his aim is that we grow deeper and stronger in our faith, in our confidence that he himself is all that we need. All that we need. He wants us to be able to say this with the psalmist. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's the heart that God is after for us. And going back to the Apostle Paul, it's interesting. If you read the New Testament, you're going to read what the Apostle Paul wrote. And in everything that he wrote, when he prayed for others, he never prayed that their circumstance would change. I find that fascinating and interesting. He prayed that they would endure, that they would have strength, that they would shine bright for the gospel. But he never prayed that their circumstance was changed. And I don't believe that's formulaic for us, that we should never pray for circumstances to be changed. God, there's many examples in the New Testament where we pray for healing, pray for deliverance. Absolutely. But I believe that... Paul was more in tune with the fact that God was more concerned about what he was doing in us through it than relieving the temporary circumstance. So if you're a follower of Jesus, it's going through a troubling time. Could you just pause and say, God, what is the condition, the level of my faith as I'm walking through this? How am I doing? What is this trial and this tribulation revealing about the condition of my faith and my trust in you? Is it growing? Is it strengthening? Is it getting stronger? And I'm not going to read this scripture on the screen, but can I just give you one more perspective as you just evaluate this? The Bible says that when we go through trials, that the that Jesus will comfort us, that he will come alongside us. And if you're going through a trial right now, I, I, I hope you're aware. And sometimes because of our emotions and the pain and sometimes the grieving, we're just unaware. Our radar is off of the Holy Spirit's presence in our life, wanting to comfort us. It could come through this inner peace. It can come through a life group relationship where you t- people just come alongside of you. It can come in many different, it can come from hearing a song and God ministers to your spirit. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says that the, the Lord will comfort you in your trials. And then it says these two words, translated into English, so that. And I would maybe want to try to insert so that I feel better so that God proves his love to me. But it's so that you will be able to minister the same comfort to others. When we go through trials, church, God never wastes the pain. God always leverages it for his glory. And God will use you to be a more effective minister as you walk through pain. Your scars shouldn't be hidden. Your scars are a testimony. Your scars are more significant than any diploma on the wall because it gives you perspective and compassion that can only come from walking that road where your faith was being tried, was, was being developed through the fire. 
So God wants to grow your faith because he's looking for faith. Faith is loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's looking for faith. And then God is also through trials wanting to increase your capacity for ministry, your ability to love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't it interesting? Those are the two greatest commandments, Jesus said. And he does it through trials. You see, God can take anything and use it for his glory, even our trials. So if you're walking through a trial, can you just pause and just evaluate, God, show me my level of trust in you. How's my faith doing? And here's the good news. If you determine the Holy Spirit says, yeah, you're, you're, you're leaning on your own understanding. You're not trusting me. You're, you're relying on your own resources. You're, you're wallowing in self-pity. And so the faith level is pretty low. Here's the good news. All you simply need to do is come to Jesus, the author of faith. Reconnect to him. Come to him today before you leave. If you're listening at home, before you log off, Jesus, pray, God, strengthen my faith. Help me to see you as you truly are. You love me. You're for me. You're not against me. You're walking with me. You want to do something in me and through me. I'm going to come out of this on the other side stronger and brighter for you. Would you respond that way? Would you stand with me and let's pray? Jesus, thank you that you love us, that you care what we're walking through. Help us to not get hung up from a human understanding of our trials. That the things as a child of God that you allow to come my way is not because you're angry or mad at me, even death, but it's for your glory. You want to work in me and through me. So God, change my understanding, change my perspective. May I be able to, to find the truth that James gave us today, that we can, find, we can see it as an opportunity, not for sorrow, but for great joy. Great joy. Help us to lean into it. Help us to find a deeper, more intimate connection with you through trial. And in that, be a testimony to the world. I pray for my friends that have scars today. May they see it. May they see it as a testimony to your faithfulness. You're giving them compassion and understanding that they couldn't have received if they hadn't walked through that. God, most of all, let us let my friends know your deep, perfect, and complete love. And pray in Jesus' name as we respond. Amen.